Okay. Look at all these props up here. How exciting. Okay, welcome to the nest. Um, we are a, thank you, Stacy, for clapping for me. Um, we are a mom group, obviously, with all these moms in here. And our goal is just to nurture and encourage, strengthen and train as we, wow, walk through this journey called motherhood. So I'm going to go ahead and start with announcements. And then we have uh, Jessica Tigert doing a mom moment for us. And then we'll launch into our event today. So, um, you're going to have to put the slides because I don't even remember. Okay, the first one is, guys, we are filling up really fast. And I know I say this every month. So if you are not on our email reminder, when that email reminder comes, it usually is a Monday morning, really early. Um, you're going to want to get on that. And then that's where you can click and sign up for Training Ground. And on that note, we have lots of moms that get on our waiting list. And um, looking at the room, it looks like a lot of people can come. This is what I thought would happen. And so if you were like, hey, I can't come, we all make sure when Training Ground week of send you that, just go ahead and cancel because we've got mamas that want to be here. So that would really help us. And just, it's a gift to another mom to be able to be here that's been on that waiting list for a while. Um, Second one, hands and feet. Okay, so Project Candy Cane, your neighborhood. So there's a handout, information for that. Guys, this is such a great season to do so many easy serves with your kiddos, okay? Um, one of them is, I know last week... Um, Don Hirschberger had asked me to gather some jackets, and I know that we have some. So if anybody has jackets, Don, raise your hand. Give them to ja uh, Don at the end of the service. Um, another thing is that we, um, Shelly Price from Hands and Feet brought some extra homeless um, kits, and they're going to be out there. There's going to be about 15 of them. If you want to grab one and read the little pamphlet about what to do with it, do that on your way out. So we're going to have some of those out there. So please grab them. We'd love for all those to be gone before Christmas. Um, what else? Oh, next month. So, okay, we're closing out this year, this month, and then next um, January, it, y'all, it'll be 2019. Like, I thought we'd be in spaceships by now, seriously. And so, but we're not. So, we are going to be doing something different that we've never done before. So um, when you ask a mom to speak, it's kind of a big deal. And no one wants to speak in January because they're coming off the holidays. So we thought, why don't we just hang out together, worship, um, do some devotional time together. We're figuring out what we're doing, but it will not be a formal event. Callie Nixon's going to be, if y'all know who she is, she's going to be leading us in worship. We have some spoken word coming. It's going to be really awesome once we really figure out what we're doing. So you're not going to want to miss it because it's going to be really fun. Yes, Nikki. Oh, yeah. It's like a regular event. It's just I don't want y'all to come in like, oh, I just want to take notes and study. It's not what it's going to be about. We're going to connect with Jesus. Um, okay, and Christmas Eve, guys, it's coming up. So really plan what you want to do for that. Here at the Plano campus, we have a two, four, and six service. If you have not been at Watermark, this is just a great time for you guys to come. Um, it's a wonderful service. We have candles here at Plano. So I hope that they're doing that this year because I just said that out loud. Okay. So um, come to the Christmas Eve service. If you can serve one of those, email Ginger Lord. She would love that. Me and my boys are serving in the earlier services. And it's just really fun to be up here on Christmas Eve. Um, and no church that Sunday before because we do Christmas Eve. And so that's like church day. It's just FYI. Don't drive up here on Sunday um, before Christmas. And then I think that's it, right? Tiffany, am I done? Awesome. Okay. Yes, Stacy. No child care at the six o'clock Christmas Eve. That's what Stacy wants me to remind y'all. They're going to Oh, yeah. Like, look at Stacy. She's got her baby. She's going to six o'clock like that. Okay. So, but two and four will have childcare. Okay. Six will not. Um, okay. So, mom moment. Guys, I have been on a leadership team here, and there's one girl I think I've seen since the almost 12 years I've been at Watermark, and it's Jessica Tigert. Um, Jessica has been at Watermark since Lake Highlands days. She's jumped a couple different locations for Watermark. Um, and she is, serves on our team, and she kind of heads up our hot topics. She's done external focus. Um, Jessica kind of does 
everything that feels like it's falling through the cracks. So I've been, I've loved Jessica's like calmness, her steadiness. Um, it helps someone like me. And so I want y'all to hear kind of what God's been working on her through the next couple of years. And I'll let her introduce her precious kids. Like Gibson, the one she's holding right there, she had him. I used to like, my joy was like holding him during leadership meetings because he smiles all the time. Y'all one of those babies that's just always like, that's Gibson. Y'all need to squeeze him. Hey, y'all. I'm super excited to be here. Uh-oh. The tablecloth fell. You know. So I'm Jessica Tiger. Like she said, yeah, don't look. Um, so this is our family. Doug and I have been married for, it'll be 16 years in March, which is really crazy. Um, so Stone is our oldest. He's 10. He's very firstborn. Very like fairness, justice, all of that. Um, Rowan is our little girl, and she is our free spirit, creative, um, always has an idea. And then Hayes is our four-year-old who loves really, really big, but has a little bit of spunk in him. And um, I always say, like, with the Lord's help, he will become a great leader one day. Um, And then Gibson is our last, and he is just like... Leslie said happy. He busted his chin about three weeks ago, and he cried when it happened and then was just happy the whole time until they had to do the stitches, which was pretty brutal. But um, So I also have a 27-year-old stepdaughter. I do not have a picture of her up there, but um, yeah, she's married and out of our house, so it's kind of, we have this two worlds of um, kids, but that's us. So um, we've been around Watermark for a really long time and lead in foundation groups, which are groups for um, couples married three years or less. Um, so I was a school teacher before we started having kiddos. And I loved teaching. I always just thought, oh, my kids will go to the public school down the road. It'll be no big deal. And then school started creeping closer. And um, it kind of terrified me a little bit. Like, the thought of sending our sweet little boy to school, um, it sent me into like a little bit of control and fear that I did not realize I had. So fear of like, what are their kids going to say to him? How are they going to treat him? Just all of that. And so um, I, I say that realizing now, like we chose to homeschool when he was going into kindergarten and it was fantastic. Loved it. Loved having him home. Loved just the relationship that he and Rowan got to build together. And um, they're still super close. And even at 10 and 8, share a room together. And um, so I think the benefit of having them both home was so great. And it was hard. I'm not a structured person. I'm very, um, I tend to be a little bit more laid back, like kind of go with the flow. And so it doesn't always work when you're trying to homeschool and get things accomplished. But um So it was great. We went through two years of homeschooling and then just really kind of felt this, like, we need to put them in school. Um, And so really just started praying and figuring out what that looks like. And um, in the process, decided to send them to Wiley Prep, which is a little school out near us. And it's university model. So they're at school three days and home too. And it has been fantastic. But even in that, like, we are still constantly yearly, like, just questioning, like, are we making the right school choice for them? Are we doing the best for our family and the finances that go into sending them into a private school? And just all of that kind of um, has been a constant. I internally, like, overanalyze everything. So I will ask, like, 20 people their opinion and still, like, not really have my decision made, which clearly I need to be going to the Lord for that instead of 20 people because he can give me much clearer advice than um, they can. But um, so anyways, that's just kind of where we've been. Um, Public school is probably on the horizon for us. And um, I think I have come to the point in realizing another mom just the other, a couple weeks ago, just kind of reminded me, which I know this, but just a reminder that the Lord loves our kiddos more than we do. And um he will care for them no matter where they are. Like whatever situation they're in, um, he'll care for them through that. And so um, I feel like the Lord, just the last, 
I don't know, probably six months, has just been reminding me that he goes before me in all things, like it says in Deuteronomy 31.8, and then he walks beside me, which I think is just um, really sweet to think about. Like, So no matter what's going on, whether you're in the midst of like deciding schooling, I always feel like it's only January, but I have to start thinking so much further ahead about our next decision. But um, just that reminder that the Lord cares for our kiddos. He loves our kiddos. And then that he's going before us and going beside us. And so um, that's kind of where we've been. Uh, Such, such vulnerability there. When I asked her, I was like, hey, I'd love for you to say something. Mostly because we were like, who's going to do mom moment? (laughs) It was crickets. I was like, Jessica! And she's like, oh. And I'm like, well, what's going on right now? She's like, this is going on. I'm like, this is a relevant topic. And so um, I want you all to know that this is a safe place to talk about those things and process those things. And so I love that Jessica was vulnerable with where she's at and wanted to bring that forward. So, all right. So I am super pumped to have Elizabeth Wood talking to you all today. Uh, oh, yeah. She is our um, table leader girl. What is that? I guess that's your title um, here at Plano. Um, and she'll be, um, whenever Frisco gets launched, she'll be helping the nest there and help leading that. So I lose her, but I'm working through that. So, um, but I just, I've been so, there's certain people like you get to know and you're like, ah, oh, gold mine. And that's Elizabeth. And I'm super stoked that she's here and going to share her heart and, um, and her uh, walk and just diving into contentment. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, Elizabeth. I'm going to get off okay. for you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for um, the fact that these women made it in the cold weather. The kids got out. Um, and just everybody's here. Um, and we're just grateful for our time to come together before um, we dive really into holidays with lots and lots of people. I pray you help us hear about contentment sit in contentment with you and what that looks like and how we can um, do that better in a world that has so many pressures thrown at us. Um, It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hi, guys. Like Leslie said, I am Elizabeth, and we have been hanging out at Watermark for about 13 years now, Uh, minus a couple years where we moved away and came back. And I have just been incredibly blessed by the ministries here, by Women's Bible Study, who is constantly just teaching me how to study my Bible, study God's Word, um, and apply it to my life. And then the nest is, just has such a special place in my heart because it's been transformative um, for my family. And so I'm always re-listening to talks. I was telling Millie earlier, I'm li- I listen to your stuff all the time because it's just so necessary um, to be reminded of God's grace in my life and just his call for me to be faithful as a mom and how to actually do that, right? So to get started, I just wanna introduce my family to you guys. These are my boys. Steve and I have been married for 13 years, almost 14 years. And um, we grew up about five minutes from each other, but we officially met in Colorado serving at a Young Life camp. And uh, Young Life is just a huge part of our story and something that we're really passionate about still today. And Steve is the fun in our family. He is hilarious, though I try not to tell him that too often. Um, (laughs) And he really just makes fun happen. And with two boys, that fun is often loud and rowdy and crazy, um, but it's great. And Andrew is our oldest. He's eight, although he would want me to say he's eight and a half because when you're the youngest in your class and everyone has been nine for a long time, being eight and a half is a big deal, okay? So he's eight and a half, and he is our obedient, super competitive, um, sports-loving kid. And Andrew and I are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, And in some ways that makes it difficult because it's like looking in a mirror, right? In that mirror, you don't always love the things that you see. Um, But in other ways, it's really good because I can really understand him, um, understand his emotions and why he reacts maybe certain ways to things. And then Caleb is our youngest. He's six and he's in kindergarten this year. And he's our wild card because you never really know. If y'all know Caleb, you never know what you're gonna get with him. So if he's standing five feet from me and I can't hear what he's saying, then I get a little nervous um, because he is hilarious and witty just like his daddy. And so he keeps us on our toes for sure. 
Um, and so that's my family. So Andrew being eight and a half, so I've been a mom about eight and a half years. And eight and a half years ago, I didn't know what I was getting into, right? I, I didn't really know what I was doing. You guys can probably all relate when you first become a mom and you're like, what, is, what am I getting into here? And then rewind, five years before that is when Steve and I got married. And we had just graduated from Texas A&M and, thank you, <laughs> and uh, so we got married three months later. We were officially adulting, but I didn't really know what I was doing then either. And so at the time, I was driving this Volvo sedan and working for American Airlines out at near DFW Airport. And you know when the weather gets cooler, how sometimes your air pressure light in your car comes on? Okay, so that happened to me. I tell Steve, and he's like, well, we'll just wait a couple of days, see if it goes away. Well, it didn't go away, so he says, I need to go put more air in your tires. I'm like, oh, I can do that. And he asks me, are you sure you know how to do that? Well, going back to the personality thing, one of the things that I can be is a little stubborn. So when he asks, are you sure you know how to do that? I'm like, of course I know how to do that. And by I know how to do that, I meant I've seen people do it across the parking lot at the gas station, okay? So the next day I go to the gas station, I put my quarter in and start pumping my tires full of air, and I just wait and wait. And I just keep waiting, and I'm like, wow, my tire was really low. This is taking a long time. And I keep waiting should I turn it off? No, I want to get my quarter's worth, you know, keep waiting. Finally, it shuts off. I go to work, come home, and I'm telling Steve, hey, my tire was a lot lower than we thought. It took a long time for the air pump to turn off. And he was like, oh no, what did you do? And he runs out to the car because y'all, apparently those air pumps do not turn off automatically like gas pumps. So you are going to get your quarter's worth, okay? So he goes out to check, and I think your tire pressure is supposed to be in the 30s, and the manual thing just popped out. It was over 50, which is really dangerous. Okay, so I drove on it from Plano all the way to DFW and all the way back to Plano, and I was putting myself in so much danger, and I didn't even know it. And I think we do that more often than we realize. So maybe it's not what we're filling our tires with, but what are we filling our heads with? When you walked in this morning, did you maybe notice how cute another mom looked and then think to yourself, man, I didn't have time to get ready or haven't taken a shower yet this week, <laughs> right? Or maybe you noticed the child that was happily walking into training ground while you were doing the whole like peel her off your leg thing and push her in and run. And then you thought, oh, man, I wish my child would just walk in like that. That comparison thing we do is dangerous, guys. And so today, as we talk about contentment, we are gonna talk through this dangerous comparison thing we do and how comparison can steal our contentment but true contentment is found in Christ alone. So comparison can steal our contentment. Guys, just like driving on an overinflated tire is dangerous, and that seems ridiculous, right? Comparison is dangerous. God has not created us to all be the same. He created each one of us with unique personalities, unique abilities, unique gifts, and even unique circumstances. But often we let comparison get in the way of believing that. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I know that full well. A lot of us have heard this verse, right? A lot of us might even have it framed in our kids' rooms on the wall somewhere. But I want you to sit and think for a minute. Do you know that full well? Do your thoughts, your actions, your desires, your reaction to comparison reflect that you know that full well? Because if we are fully loved by God, then why do we let comparison 
negatively affect us. Things were going great until we saw her and then we just don't look good enough. Or I was doing great at home until I saw her and I'm just not doing enough, right? Paul refers to these desires in Ephesians 4 as deceitful desires. So either they're not good things that we're desiring, but today we're gonna focus on the fact that sometimes they're just out of order. They're disordered desires, okay? So we've literally got these out of order and priority in our head. What we really feel is most important isn't what is really most important. And these disordered desires are gonna distract us from truth and tempt us to compare ourselves to others. James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires, these deceitful, disordered desires, and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So these disordered desires, whatever is most important to you, is where you may be tempted to compare yourself with other women. So it could be their appearance, maybe how their hair or makeup is done, the clothes they wear, how skinny or fit they are, or maybe how their kids behave or how their kids perform in school or in sports, things that they have, cars that they drive, where they live. Y'all, even how their husband treats them. Maybe their husband plans these special creative date nights or leads their family spiritually in just a great way. The list of things we can compare is exhausting, right? That's just the surface there. Making comparisons is nothing new. Cain compared himself to Abel. Jesus' disciples compared themselves to each other. But when we compare on these disordered desires, it's dangerous. One reason is we don't really know what's going on in somebody else's life, right? So we are comparing their best life to our real life. We are presuming that we know what's really going on in their life to compare it to our real life. This uh, really hit me a couple of years ago. I was babysitting my sweet niece, Shiloh. Look how cute she is. And it was around the holiday time and I had taken her to uh, the grocery store with me. And the cashier at the grocery store was just going on and on about how we were just gonna have the best holiday and how Christmas was gonna be so special with this new baby. But y'all, this was the reality. Well, for starters, I just smiled. I didn't even correct her that she wasn't my daughter, okay? So that's the first thing. But then this was our reality. She was having open heart surgery a couple weeks later. And so what the cashier saw at the grocery store was this smiling baby with a bow in her hair. But this was real. Let's not presume to know what's going on under the surface. Let's not get caught comparing their best life to our real life. But I wanna take it a step further and say, even if we do know what's going on in someone else's life, maybe it's a close friend or family member or even somebody in your community group, we shouldn't feel better or worse about ourselves because of how we measure up to others. Galatians 1.10 says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. There is no in between there, guys. We are fully loved by God, no matter what size clothes we wear, where we live, or how happy our kids are when we drop them off in training ground, or how great our Christmas card picture looks. This was us a couple of years ago at Christmas. And y'all, I really wanted just this perfect picture, and I felt like I was already compromising enough because my boys are in that phase where they only wanna wear athletic clothes, right? And so we compromised, and they're wearing the itchy jeans that they can't run a race in, but they've got on athletic shirts, but they still have like a button, you know? Um, 
But as you can see, Caleb, our little wild card, was not wanting to take a picture. And so Steve's in the middle of a training moment. And then Andrew is just very self-aware and embarrassed because he knows this is not going well. Um, But my favorite thing about this picture is look at me. I'm just smiling. Like, Merry Christmas, nothing to see here, right? Y'all, peace isn't found in performing or in perfection, but in seeking a perfect God who meets us in our mess. And his faithfulness is not dependent on where we fall short or look good in comparison to someone else. But comparison by itself isn't the evil here. Remember, it's these comparisons with disordered desires when we forget that we are fully loved, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Comparison by itself isn't the evil. An article from Desiring God described it this way. Leading our comparisons in the right direction, away from envy, pride, and self-pity, and towards Christ-like imitation and the fear of God will turn us into better parents, mentors, and friends. I know it's not realistic to never notice anyone else's differences. But we can use comparison for our good and God's glory. Our differences can encourage one another towards godliness. That's how the body of Christ is designed to work. So if we see another mom who just is rocking it at the meal planning thing and you do crispy tacos, spaghetti, tortilla soup, and chicken fingers each week, just busted myself on my own menu there, Um, then instead of just looking to her and feeling bad about yourself that you're not doing good enough at home, let's recognize that that is a gift that she has that God has given her and her ability to be able to serve her family and then move towards her and let that bless you. Maybe use her meal plan. Ask her, what are you doing for dinner this week? Let her help you in that area. The only way to recognize others' differences, their strengths and their weaknesses in a healthy way is if we are truly content. If we know full well that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Comparison can steal our contentment, but it doesn't have to. And it won't if we are truly content. And contentment is found in Christ alone. So first, let me start by defining contentment. The dictionary defines it as a state of satisfaction. So not being happy with, but being satisfied with what we have, who we are, our circumstances. But we know that this world is a broken place, right? Full of hurts, hardships, difficulties. So how can we just be content in those things? How can we be satisfied when day after day, We face difficulty, unmet expectations, and disappointments. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Being content, being satisfied in Christ means focusing on the one thing that never changes. That if we believe we are part of the problem in this world, we are part of the sin in this world, but reconciled to God through Jesus's death and resurrection, then we have the hope of eternity with God with no more hurts, no more hardships, no more conflicts or disappointments. And our contentment comes from fully focusing on that. Jesus came to save us from our discontentment. What's actually most important is our identity and our hope in him, not on worldly things. And I'm looking out here and I know many of us in this room believe this to be true, but yet our hearts are deceitful and so still we look for contentment in other places. We believe contentment has been found, can be found in Jesus, but we have these disordered desires And we allow people, things, and circumstances to give and take away our contentment. 
We believe God's truth, but the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke it out. So practically, here's the first step to finding contentment in Christ. Because to say to be fully content in Christ, it sounds really good. Like it sounds just like a good saying, right? But here's how we can actually do that. To find contentment in Christ, let's think through other places we may look for contentment. Isaiah 55.2 says, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. So let me paint this picture for you. At 6 a.m., you wake up, you have your quiet time and you believe Jesus is enough. You are fully focused on your identity in him. But then by 7.30, your three-year-old has had three meltdowns about what to wear, what to eat for breakfast, what spoon to eat it with, the baby's crying and there's a potty accident then do you still believe Jesus is enough? Are you still focused on these eternal things or do you find yourself thinking, if only I got a break. I would be content if only my child would stop throwing fits. If only we could just get through this phase, then I would be content. If only my husband appreciated me or realized how hard my day is, then I would be content. What is it for y'all? I wish I could say that I came up with those things, you know, because I had y'all in mind, but on any given day, my mind goes there. All of these things can be good things, but left unchecked at the end of our if only sentence is where we may look for fulfillment that only God can give. And the thing is, we may get what we're hoping for, right? Our kids will eventually be potty trained. I can attest to that. <laughs> but there's always gonna be something else. So I want you to think for a minute. Think back to where you were 10 years ago, where you lived, the people in your life, what were you, do what you were doing. And think of something that you really wanted then. It's probably really different today. For me, 10 years ago, Steve was going to grad school in San Antonio. So this is when we had moved away for a couple of years. But I was still working for American out by the airport. And so I would work from our apartment in San Antonio a couple of days a week. And then I would fly up and work in the office a few days a week. And so that meant we had to have one car in San Antonio and one car in Dallas. Okay, yes, this is another car story, okay? I've learned a lot since then, learning how to adult, but bear with me, okay? So the thing was with that was that my husband's car was a standard, a manual, one of those transmissions, okay? And I didn't know how to drive it. And so this whole situation meant that I had to learn how to drive it. And so my sweet husband of three years, taught me how to drive this standard. And it was awful. Like, he was wonderful. He was patient and witty and hilarious, even through all my mistakes. I was awful. Awful at driving it and awful in my mind. I mean, I think one time after I stalled out somewhere, I had a meltdown and was yelling at him, it's 2008, who even buys a manual transmission anymore? And because more than anything, I just wanted to be done with that car done with the whole fly in between cities thing. But y'all, 10 years later, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't have that car anymore. And I look back on that time and even though I had to take a different route to and from work to avoid certain hills in rush hour, <laughs> I know that time was some of the sweetest time in our marriage. Part of us growing up together, partnering together and persevering together. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. We've got to take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, and focus only on Jesus. So I want you to think of it as a suitcase, okay? Have any of y'all ever been going on a trip and you pack your suitcase and then you step up? 
step onto your bathroom scale to see how close it is to the 50 pound mark. Okay, and then you have to start removing things because you know like, okay, eventually this just isn't going to work, right? Okay, so think of this big suitcase as the contentment suitcase. All right, so I've got this big suitcase and I'm gonna unzip it and y'all can see that it is full with Jesus, right? Because we know that whether we get these worldly things or not, we can be fully content, we can be fully satisfied with Jesus alone. But yet, we have these disordered desires that we still try to shove in there too. So what is it for you? Maybe it's a clean house that you're trying to fit in there. Or your appearance. If only I could just lose 10 pounds, then I'd be content. If only my husband appreciated me, then, then I would be satisfied. Or what about Pinterest perfect birthday parties? (laughs) Then I'll be good. Or if my kids can succeed in school or in sports, then I'll be good. What about a successful homeschool day? We just, we just wanna have a good day of homeschool. Or financial stability. Then I would be satisfied. Once I get financial stability, then I'll be satisfied. Or healthy parents. Then I wouldn't worry. Then I would be content. Healthy kids, then I would be satisfied. What about a new baby? If I could just have a new baby, then, then, I, then I'll be content. Or at Christmas time, there's so many things that distract us from truth. So many things that steal our contentment. So what is it for you? Maybe getting the perfect gift that makes you feel so loved, then you'll feel satisfied. Or no family drama when you get together at Christmas, then you'll be content. All of these things are good things, right? All of these things are are wonderful gifts, but yet none of them are the thing that's gonna make us think, I never need another gift again because none of these things will truly satisfy. Only Jesus will fulfill us for the long haul. So let's stop trying to fit other things in there too. Ecclesiastes 1.14 says, I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Guys, things of this world aren't meant to satisfy us, but to point us to God who can. Things of this world aren't meant to satisfy us, but to point us to God who can. When we were getting ready to have our second son, Caleb, I was getting my suitcase packed for the hospital. And so, you know, there's Facebook posts and Pinterest boards about what to pack in your suitcase. What's the best nursing gown, the comfiest, cutest nursing robe, the best nursing pillow? So I had my suitcase perfectly packed, right? We welcomed Caleb into the world and we had him at Medical City Dallas where labor and delivery is in one building and postpartum is in another building and it's connected by this small hallway but still you have to park in two different parking lots. And so we left our suitcase in the car and Steve was going down to move the car and bring the suitcase up. So he goes down, moves the car, comes back up, no suitcase. Okay, he's flustered, he's excited. We just had a new baby. He's like, I'm gonna go get the suitcase. So then he comes back maybe 60 seconds later and says, I dropped the keys down the elevator shaft. Yes, so the tiny gap 
between the floor you're standing on to the floor you step into, our keys took an eight-story dive down to the bottom. And so my perfectly packed suitcase with my cute nursing gown and my nursing pillow and my toothbrush wasn't going to make it in. But turns out the hospital has everything you need to spend the night there. (laughs) And I realized all these things that I thought I needed, they were all great things, right? That I packed in my suitcase, but not the most important things. And because my focus was on my true purpose there and my identity there, it didn't matter that my plans didn't work and that I'm wearing the hospital gown and all the pictures right? Did y'all even notice? Some of y'all probably did. (laughs) Let's be so focused on Jesus and our purpose that he's given us, our identity in him, that that alone will fill us and not shake us when these other things don't go the way that we want. Every day we attach our identity to something, either in creation or in the creator. What is it? For you. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's let Jesus fill our contentment suitcase instead of trying to fit other things in there too. Contentment is found in Christ alone. All right, so we're gonna go to some table discussion questions now so that we can talk through those things. What areas in your life do you tend to compare yourself with others? And how can you use that comparison for your good and God's glory? Remember, when we are fully focused on our identity in him and not those disordered desires. And then what are you trying to fit in your suitcase? Okay, we're gonna go ahead and get started again. I hope that you enjoyed your table time. I know that for me, getting to sit and talk with other moms is just so good for my heart to see that I am not alone in these, uh, these struggles. And so just to recap what we've talked about, we've talked through how comparison can steal contentment, but true contentment is found in Christ. And now we'll go to contentment takes cultivation. So once you've thought through your if-only scenario or what you're trying to fit in your suitcase, now let's do something about it. Because contentment in Christ isn't just a one-and-done type of thing. It's not something where you can say, I'm going to be content, and then you actually are, right? It takes cultivating to care for it, to pay attention to it, to be mindful of it, to cultivate In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he's writing from prison, but joy is a dominant theme in his letter. And in Philippians 4.11, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. And I think we could all agree that Paul here in Philippians is a fully devoted follower of Christ, right? He's pretty much a rock star here. But yet still, he doesn't say he loves his circumstances. He doesn't even say he likes them, but he says he's learned to be content in them because it's a process. I am still learning what Paul has learned here, and I don't think that I'm alone here, right? Especially coming up on the Christmas season when so many things take away our contentment. To be content in Christ, we've gotta spend time getting to know him. Spend time reading God's word, praying, applying it to our lives. Spend time giving thanks for everything we see God's hand in. From your sweet kids and the little hugs that they give you around your neck to the fact that you registered in time to get training ground for today. An attitude of gratefulness over entitlement goes a long way to being content. An attitude of gratefulness over entitlement goes a long way to being content. So what can we do there? 
We can keep a gratefulness journal. Maybe write it on post-it notes around your house, sticking them up on the mirror or in the kitchen or in those places that might just trigger some of those if-only thoughts. At the dinner table, go around and say what you're thankful for. We do this at our table sometimes, and a lot of times my boys are thankful for things like scoring goals in their soccer games or basketball or Batman toys, but sometimes, sometimes they're thankful for things that really matter. Another way to cultivate contentment is to think about what stirs contentment in your life and what chokes it out. So maybe it's a certain friend group, TV shows or movies, books that stir contentment in you or that choke it out and make you think of these things. For example, if a new house is at the end of your if-only scenario, if things keep breaking in your house and if only things wouldn't break, then I would be happy. If only I had more storage space, then I would be happy. It would be wise to not watch HGTV right? If your husband appreciating you is at the end of your if only sentence, or if your husband just understanding how hard your day is, is at the end of your if only sentence, spend time with friends who respect their husbands and love their husbands, who don't talk bad about their husbands. Keep a gratefulness journal about your husband to remind yourself of the gifts that you see in him. Let's take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Last year, a nest speaker put it this way, and it really stuck with me. She said, you don't take captive a kitten, you take captive a tiger. Okay, so this is a big deal. If our hearts are deceitful, our thoughts can be poison, and they are not easily captured. So when those thoughts creep in your head that you just aren't good at this mom thing, Or if only your husband appreciated just how great you are, stop there. Stop. Remind yourself of his truth. Pray. Meditate on his truth. Ask God to open your eyes to it, to help you really believe it. He is sovereign over every detail in our life, over every difficult circumstance, and he is good. But a lot of times we gotta ask him to help us believe that, right? We have to replace the lies in our head with the truth from his word. We can't just not think about these things, right? We've gotta go on the offense and think about truth to remind ourselves of. Bring others into your mess too. So just like you shared at your table the things that you tend to compare in yourself or the things that you're trying to fit in your suitcase Share with other friends, maybe in your community group or other friends who are following Christ so that they can encourage you and remind you of truth, remind you of God's call for you as a mom and how you are fit for it, how he can equip you for it. So that in those moments when those thoughts creep in your head, you can call them, you can text them and they can remind you again. Psalm 90:14 says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. One thing that robs my contentment is perfectionism. I know that I am saved by grace through faith alone and it is nothing that I can do, it's a gift from God. But still, I find myself without even realizing it, doing, doing, doing. And I think this is so common in the mom world, right? Because we all wanna be a good mom, So we do, 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 and then we just, we're mixed up on what really being a good mom is about. Because is it breastfed or bottle fed, cloth diapers, regular diapers, store-bought baby food, homemade baby food, or like Jessica was talking about earlier, homeschool, private school, public school. Our kids don't need to see a perfect mom with perfectly cooked meals, perfectly clean house, Pinterest perfect activities to do at home or through Advent, but they need to see a mom who relies on a perfect savior. And so here's what that looks like for me practically. When I feel perfectionism or the perfection in my home going out the window, which happens a lot, right? Then I just have to say, hey, mommy needs a timeout. 
mommy needs a break, and I step away either physically or just in my head to pray and remind myself of truth so that I can step back in and be faithful to be their mom. Because if I don't, then I usually end up having to go back and ask for forgiveness, which happens more often than I would like. But the truth is, even when we do that, we're a tangible example of the gospel to our kids. We're saying, hey, you're not perfect, just like I'm not perfect. And that's okay, because we can love and forgive because Jesus first loves us, right? Another thing that I might do when my boys are acting crazy and I don't step away to remind myself of truth, to take captive those thoughts, I go vacuum. Because in that moment, first it drowns out all the yelling, okay? But that is something that when I'm done, I have visual proof of accomplishment because there's vacuum lines in my carpet. So it's something that I can see that I have succeeded in. This is something that I can control but that's just an escape, right? In that moment, I'm choosing instant gratification, instant feelings of success or control instead of faithfulness in the long run. And so I want you to think, what do you go to in those moments? Are you looking for the vacuum lines or are you looking to be faithful? Because the truth is we're not gonna see the finished product of our kids, right? We might see little glimpses of fruit along the way, but we won't see their vacuum lines because we're not fully finished products either. We have to find our contentment in Christ and not in the success of our day, guys. If you're here with your baby, look at that sweet face. And everybody else, y'all can look too because they're so cute. That is your first ministry, And that sweet baby doesn't know if your Advent activities are Pinterest worthy or if their nursery is decorated by Joanna Gaines, right? Being fully focused on our family means saying no to a lot of good things, things that will give us instant feelings of gratification, instant feelings of success or accomplishment or of control, but we've gotta guard our hearts to not want those things, to not feel like we're missing out on those things so that we can be faithful in the long run. Spurgeon said, contentment is one of the flowers of heaven, and if we would have it, it must be cultivated. It will not grow in us by nature. It is the new nature alone, our new nature in Christ, that can produce it. And even then, we must be specially careful and watchful that we maintain and cultivate the grace which God has sown in us. When Caleb was about four, he started going through this phase where he was having a really difficult time controlling his emotions. Like, it was like all of a sudden we're back in the terrible twos again with this screaming and fit throwing, um, just craziness, okay? And so I take him on a breakfast date one day for a purpose. And I think we have a picture you can see. He's like so happy because give a kid that's lactose intolerant a tiny bit of cream cheese on a bagel and it is like the best thing in the world, right? So we go to breakfast and I tell him, hey buddy, I've noticed you've had a really hard time controlling your emotions lately. When things don't go your way, when you don't get what you want, you're losing self-control. Instead of you controlling your emotions, your emotions are controlling you and it's, it's a bad habit. I wanna help you. What do you think we should do? And y'all, my witty little four-year-old quickly responded, what about forgiveness? You know who forgave? God did. And I was like, well, yes, but we still need to work on that self-control, right? But the truth is, just like we need God's grace through Jesus's blood on the cross so that we are not separated from him, we need his grace to live the way he calls us to right now. Because no matter how much willpower or self-discipline you have, we can only white knuckle it for so long, right? To truly be content and fulfilled in Christ, we've gotta have this step-by-step deep connection with the Lord. And so for me to fight the urge for control or for perfectionism, I start each day with Paul David Tripp's New Morning Mercies devotional. 
And I am just reminded of my need for a savior and his grace and his mercy that is new every single morning so that I start off relying on him and not on myself. <clears throat> Guys, I realize some of you sitting there may be thinking you wish you struggled with kids who threw fits or you wish that it was just somebody that needed to be potty trained because you're going through a really difficult season. Maybe it's the loss of a parent or infertility. Maybe it's infidelity in your marriage. And I just wanna encourage you to cultivate contentment the same way with a step-by-step relationship with the Lord. So when those feelings of discontentment and heartbreak and frustration creep into your mind and you pray and you meditate on God's truth and then five minutes later, those thoughts come back, do it again. And then five minutes after that, when those feelings of discontentment come back and you find yourself thinking, if only, do it again. Look yourself in the mirror, read God's word out loud until it is written on your heart and then pray and ask him to help you believe it. Remember, it's not you that needs to be stronger. It's only through his grace that we can have the strength to be content. Contentment takes cultivation. And then last, contentment is contagious. Have y'all ever heard your child use the exact phrases that you use? Fascinating, right? We often get to hear my six-year-old Caleb parent, our four-year-old friend Charlotte, with the exact phrases that I use. And he'll say things like, Charlotte, that won't go well for you. Charlotte asked and answered. Charlotte, are you being teachable? Charlotte, please stop. That's really annoying. Yes, that one did not sound so good, right? I'm like, if I say it with a smile, I didn't think it was. No, I don't use that one anymore, right? (laughs) Little ears are listening. You may have heard it said that the mom can set the temperature of the home, the mood of the home. And this is true with contentment. Because if our kids see us easily rattled when our husband calls and says he's not gonna make it home in time for dinner, they see it. Or if we're easily frustrated when we don't have storage space in the house or something in the house breaks again, they see it. Or if you spend hours getting ready, trying to change your physical appearance, or you look in the mirror at disgust with yourself, your daughter's gonna have a hard time believing that she is fearfully and wonderfully made regardless of what she sees in the mirror. What and how we celebrate also tells our kids what we value. Are we celebrating their servant hearts, the way they love others, the characteristics of God that we see in them, just as much as we're celebrating their accomplishments in school or in sports, or y'all, even in an art project they bring home from preschool? Like instead of saying, wow, you're such a great artist, you're so good at this, pull out those characteristics of God like, Wow, you worked really hard. I love all of the details, just like God is in the details to point back to the Lord. And then if you're celebrating with ice cream trips or toys, focus on the family time spent at Brahms instead of just driving through, getting an ice cream and heading home. Or if it's a new toy, focus on maybe doing that together, playing, that, playing with that toy together. We've got a great opportunity coming up with Christmas. And I'll be the first to say, I love getting my kids toys at Christmas, things that will surprise them, things that on Christmas morning, their eyes are just gonna light up in amazement at something that they didn't expect. And of course, we need to remind them of the reason we give gifts, right? Because the greatest gift is Jesus. But then a few days later, when the wonder is kind of lost, then let's take that opportunity to remind them why those things don't satisfy. Because satisfaction can be found in only one gift. And that's the person, presence, and work of Jesus. Let's be the louder voice to them because the world is gonna entice them with things that are so appealing, just like we are enticed by all those things. 
Let's be the louder voice to them. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So here's a picture of Andrew back in August. He fractured his ankle bone. And so this took my super competitive, sports-loving kid out for the soccer season. And he didn't even cry when he broke his ankle. But when we were sitting in the doctor's office and he told him how long he'd be out of sports, that's when the tears filled his eyes. And so we had a lot of conversations at home about contentment and how we've got to put our identity in Christ. We can't put our identity in things that can be taken away. And through that, y'all, he was joyful with everything stripped away that he loved. He humbly and happily crawled up and down our stairs every day. He made up new games to play at recess with his crutches. And that was a little bit of fruit that I got to see in his life. And it was awesome. But then after he got his cast off, before he was even done with physical therapy, I broke my foot. And so then instead of just telling him these things, I actually had to live it out. And it was hard. Because my eight-year-old made climbing up and down the stairs look really easy. It's not that easy, okay? And some days were good. Some days I was focused on the things that really mattered. But then other days I was frustrated that my house wasn't clean, that I couldn't go volunteer here or there. I couldn't do these other things. And there were tears But y'all, that's okay. Because just like I mentioned earlier, how our kids don't need to see this perfect mom, but a mom who relies on a perfect savior, they need to see a mom who's seeking contentment, who's striving for that contentment, striving to learn to be content. Contentment is also one of the best gifts a wife can give her husband. Contentment is one of the best gifts a wife can give her husband. We can really bless them in this area. But to do so, we've gotta be careful with our words, that they would build them up, that they'd benefit our husbands. We have to recognize that there's no such thing as an innocent complaint. So if we're complaining about things not working at the home, I mean, especially material things that we're complaining about wanting to our husband or wanting something different, this can really stick with them and really add a lot more pressure to them. Let's be on guard with our words so we're creating a grateful home, a culture of contentment that's contagious. So you and your husband are probably pretty different, right? Because we're all uniquely created and gifted. And so communication is key to better understand each other, to better understand how to love and serve each other, But if we just drew a circle around ourselves and focused on what's inside that circle, would we find that because we aren't fully content in Christ, that we may be putting unfair or unreasonable expectations on our husbands? Here's a quick way to check that. When your expectations aren't met, does it shake you? Does it rock you? I know that's a wake-up call a lot of times for me. Let's be so content in Christ that we can love our husbands and our kids out of the overflow of our heart. And their love for us is just a reflection of God's grace in our life. We want the best for our kids and for our family, right? That's probably why you're all here. That and the awesome breakfast and coffee, right? The best for our kids is the same best for us to recognize that we are sinners separated from God. But through Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection, not only can we be in fellowship with him for all of eternity, but he can satisfy us in the right now, even in the beautiful trenches of motherhood. Through his grace alone, as Paul prays in Ephesians 3, can we grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, 
that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let's not tie our contentment to things that come and go and circumstances that change. In this comparison culture, being truly content is found in Christ. Contentment takes cultivating and contentment is contagious. All right, so we're gonna go to some more table discussion questions now to talk through that. And I want you to just think about what's one thing that you can do to cultivate contentment. So think back to what you were trying to fit in your suitcase. What's one thing you can do to cultivate contentment in that area? And then we've got a few more questions as well. Thanks, guys. All right, mamas. I mean, was that not awesome? Let's hear it for Elizabeth Wood. Um, that was just so good for our souls. And what? how timely is that? So I, there's always so much to take away from a nest talk. And so just for my personal two takeaways to share with you guys is um, I love how she talked about bringing her kids in to stuff. Um, I think that's so important as far as like modeling your relationship with Christ. I remember I have this problem with Advent's where that's where I compare. I'm like, are we doing the right advent calendar? And so um, I think it was shamefully, maybe last year, I think I did three at one time. It's horrible. I did a craft one that you do every day. And you know, I'm not a crafter. And so at one point, I was trying to do a craft with four kids and it was not going well. And I was just getting frustrated. And my oldest son stopped and put his hand on mine. He's like, mom, this is not who we are. <laughs> And I remember thinking, I was like, you're right. You're right. Everybody stop. And um, it's like my kid caught me in my comparison right there, right? And so I think that's important. Guys, I stopped the craft advent. Shock and awe. Um, They still learn about Jesus. Shock and awe again. And so I think that's so sweet. And the second thing I love that she talked about is the over. And over and over. Y'all know what I'm talking about when she is like, if you find yourself doing it again, oh wait, go back and pray and do it over and remind yourself of God's truth again. Um, Shamefully, I still have to remind myself every Christmas season, there are so many children activities to do. And if you go on Instagram or Facebook, it's like, I missed that Santa. I missed that activity. I have completely missed all the activities. And it's okay. You know, um, we're still doing what we need to do with our kids. And so um, I have to remind myself in this season over and over, it's okay. It's okay because I'm still, they're still getting what they need. We're not going to make all the activities. So I love that. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reminding us about this. This topic cannot get old. 